1159 at Radio Free America. This is Uncle Sam with music and the truth until dawn. Right now, I've got a few words for some of our brothers and sisters in the occupied zone. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, Americans. Another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. Hey, welcome everybody to our Daily Gun Show. Come to you live every weeknight at midnight Eastern. We talk about guns for an hour. And it is Monday, right? Yep. We're on the road for a few days. So it's Monday, 17th. And on Mondays, we talk about uh, how the stuff works, like behind the scenes and things like that. So um, digging into the notes here, looks like we're going to talk about to a social media, how to podcast, and we'll talk about the road trip and anything else that might come up. So um, before we get into it, let's see who else here. We got a couple people jumping in from around the country. We got David jumping in from Florida. Thanks for joining us. Not a problem. Glad to have you safe and out and about. Uh, We got Dead Horse jumping in from Utah. Howdy. Uh, Dano might be away from Illinois. He's away from his computer. And then we got uh, Woods. Oh, there he is. And then we got Woods jumping in from Pacific Northwest. Thanks for the link. PNW, as they like to abbreviate it up there. Uh, yeah, you bet. Thanks for jumping in. We've got links out to a couple other people who are regulars on the show over on the gun channels, of course. And then uh, I posted a link on our Patreons uh, page as well. So anybody who's a Patreon, if you want to jump in, more than welcome. And uh, let's see. Let's see. So, people, yes. Fuck. Enough of that. Um, what's going on over there? I'm at zero percent tolerance, especially when I'm on the road. So, um, no, this is not the channel. All right, so, um, enough maintenance over on the YouTube side. Uh, anything going on? What do you want to talk about before we get into it? No, oh, I heard, uh, I heard someone went to Hornady. <laughs> that, that's what I'm looking for to talk to talking about. It's the Iowa leg. What the fuck? So, thanks, fucking. Let's talk about Dragon Man. Yeah, all right. So, Dragon Man is in. Colorado Springs, and it's one of the best museums out there. It's really his collection. Um, yeah, pretty good. I got to see the whole tour this time. First time I went there was an abbreviated one. Uh, and uh, this time I got to see the whole two-plus-hour uh, tour. What are the parts of this one you did last time, Jim? What? 
Oh, what were the parts that you enjoyed that you didn't see last time that you did see this time? Oh, dude, last time I didn't even see anything. I saw like two rooms. This time we saw two and a half hours worth of rooms. So there, I only barely saw a taste of it. We walked in and walked out. So I didn't even, and it was, yeah, it was uh, black and white. Is he still doing the tours personally, G-Webs, or does he have someone that is doing them now for him? Well, that's a good question. So that whole time, that would have been a lot to talk, right, for anybody. So uh, 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 he basically, there's his, I don't know who he is. He's from the Army. Um, so I don't know if he just works near there, if he knows him for a long time. Nobody asked him that question, but. There was another dude who was like tag teaming with him. So they'd go into like one room and one of them would would run it. And then the next room, the next one would run it. And there's, it's a big place. So they're like turning on and off lights and stuff. So they were kind of not just whatever you call narration, but also figuring out like which lights are on and getting people. So there's a lot of people uh, in the group. So getting, making sure everybody's like through the room and into the next room kind of thing. It's sort of, there's like a Nazi room. There's like a World War II. Well, World War II is a lot of it. But then there's like a room for different campaigns. Vietnam has a couple, Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, Korea. And then he's got other stuff also. So there's like, you know, part partitioned up into different areas. Around. Do you have any idea how he, how he was able to create all this financially? I mean... Well, somebody asked him that this time, and he said before uh, Colorado legalized marijuana, him and his son used to sell marijuana to the high school kids. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then somebody's like, he's like, did you want to know anything else? And then somebody said, yeah, the truth. So I don't know. He's probably, I think he said he was like in the motorcycles or something when he was in New Jersey or New York, wherever he comes from. And then they came out, and I mean, he's restored... I don't know how many military vehicles he has, but it's an impressive amount. And he has them restored nicely, like they're restored well. And then he's got, what do you call like hot rod cars from like the 50s, you know, with the engines sticking out the front. Muscle cars. No, what? not muscle cars, like hot rods, like 50s. Right? So like, where, you know, you take the front off and you just have your engine sticking out front, but like not necessarily old ones. He has old ones, but he also has like, you know, brand new Corvette engines and shit on old cars like that so he does just crazy kind of mods and refurbishings and stuff so i'm assuming he's done stuff like that i mean people that want a car refurbished well pay good money for that right but i have no idea he only charges 15 bucks to go in the museum that's nothing and then you give him either a 20 dollar bill in there as a tip at the end but there's no way that he pays for that a lot of the stuff is uh donated to the museum is he the only curator like the only guy who's like going through and sudden like does he do all that himself or does he hire guys to do that no it's his collection dude in fact he talked about how for a while he was uh gonna be a museum and then they called him we want two bathrooms we want concrete floors we want this that and the other thing and he's like yeah it wasn't worth it <laughs> so he's just a dude <laughs> he's just a guy with this collection Yeah, what's really cool. Oh, I'm sorry, Woods. Oh, go ahead, man. Um, a lot of the units um, that are fighting over the 
and have bought in Kuwait and um, Iraq have donated to his museum. Right. He knows guys in different kinds of cool units that can get stuff that, oh yeah, super good, uh, that he can get all kinds of neat stuff that nobody else has yet or has. And then people donate a lot to his thing. Like he has a deal where if you have a uniform that you've taken a picture in somewhere and want to donate it to him, he'll put the uniform up on one of his mannequins with the picture. He's got another thing for anybody with a purple heart that wants to do the same. So he's got like a whole area that's just purple hearts and uniforms. So imagine that's like all different kinds of peoples of different kinds of ages and stuff. So there's all different kinds of uniforms and stuff there. Um, I'm assuming his uh, collection has employees, correct? I mean, there's like people that work there or is it just him? Um, it's in his, on his property. So it's like, you know, in his garage, you could say, except his garage is like 80,000 square feet or whatever that is. But, um, I don't know. He says he'll bring like employee, like he, been, he employs guys from the bases around there, the forts around there, if they need extra work or something. But um, I don't, I don't know. It's a good question. I asked one of the guys last time, like, hey, what's it like to work with him? He's like, well, it's a great job. Oh yeah, that's kind of where I was going. I was like, that's like the ultimate job for all the people on the panel and everybody listening, right? Well, I think he has a uh, like a motocross track and like a go kart track or something out there too, right? That's open to the public. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like three miles of dirt bike track. You pay 10 bucks and you ride all day. Or it's like $25 for the year or something crazy. There's a paintball field and you can rent stuff from them or it's like $10 for the whole day or something crazy. His range is $10 for the whole day. So he's probably keeping the kids in the area like, you know, whoever's taking tickets for the go-karts or whatever. Well, yeah. it's motorcycles right yeah or whatever but the thing is you drive from colorado springs out to his place it's maybe like 20 minutes from the city out to his place maybe more just driving east and you pass three different motocross it must be super big in colorado driving on motorcycles so i don't even know if he's the last one but you pass at least three on the way to his place like three like giant places that are just giant tracks but i have no idea how big of a thing i don't know if there's like there's probably about seven cars in Colorado that aren't four-wheel drive, I think, if you don't count mine driving. I've seen uh, pictures of, like, a diner inside of his. Is that, like, can you get food there, or is that just for show? No, he's really into Elvis in the 50s, so, like, a good chunk of his museum is those hot rods. And then he's got, you know, gas pumps. I think he's got, like, every gas pump that ever existed. I'm not even yeah, those, those glass top ones. Yeah, like everything from the first days of whatever the first one. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has every single one just because they're everywhere. He's got like Coke machines and cigarette machines from bars and stuff and like diners and tons of those, like, you know, dozens of those. They've, you know, most of them are different, I think. And then like records and, you know, those like pedal cars, like little kids and a big, like a little metal, you know, yeah. those stupid plastic shit. Like, he has a ton of those little metal cars. Just Oh, he's got to have a hundred or more of those. Uh, he's got a whole room that's just those. So, uh, anyway, all that stuff is in, like, black and white checkered disco lights go in, like, 50s room. And that's, like, one of his passions, I think. So, you see a lot of that in the pictures of his thing. But it's not like, I mean, his house, if you look at a video of his house, like, where he lives, it looks like a 50s diner. Like, his house. Going into him, you see him, but it's like a 50s diner. 
So if you've seen any of those pictures, I'm sure you might think, oh shit, there's food there, but I don't think there's anything like food there. And he seems really sharp. He seems like he knows about, like, you know, like you could ask him about any uniform or any little thing and he'd be like, oh, that was made in 1942 and he'd be able to tell you all about it. Like, he seems to really know, like, the videos I've seen. Seems yeah, like and that's why it's, every little thing. That's why it's more of an experience than anything else. Um, you walk through there and there's, I don't know how many people, I must have a picture somewhere, how many people are in the group, maybe 30 people in the group, like more than would fit in any of the rooms. So with 30 people, you got, you know, the interested guy that was there and then like his mom and some other guy, some other lady. You know, so there's like a couple of two or three people that care less. And then there's a bunch of us who are eating it up. So those people that were like straggling didn't really care that they were missing stuff, I guess. But um, uh, let me look at a picture here. So um, uh, however many people are in there, they're going to, you know, he'll say, do you have any questions? So he'll say a couple of things, I'm sure, that are kind of, you know, things he normally would address or point out and interesting things. He has like a belt buckle. It's one of 15 belt buckles that Nazis, uh, Hitler's guards use, like a belt buckle that had bullets in it, like a little gun. And uh, you know, he's real happy about that because nobody else has those. Um, so I'm sure there's things like that he'll talk about, like Saddam Hussein had a sword next to his bed and he's got that. So he'll talk about that. But um, you know, you got, I don't know, maybe 20 people in there in your group that are gonna ask different questions. So somebody's in there, like two of the guys in there were Vietnam guys. So you know, they had different specific questions about his Nam stuff and I don't know if he gets many Korean War vets in there, but you know, the, anyway, the opportunities for questions are always going to be different. Plus, like I've been in there twice now walking around and I think you can tell from the pictures, it's not like you're in a museum where there's like, here's the glass case that has all this stuff labeled or anything. I mean, a lot of the stuff's labeled, but it's just, you're walking through his collection of stuff in his garage. So it's, there's just a, there's no way to count how much things there are to look at. So even if you didn't listen to them and you just looked at different things every time, it would take you dozens of times walking through it just to see it all, just to even see how much stuff there is to see. Um, but just like think about like sea rations and like medical stuff that comes out of World War II things. He's got all of that, everything. Like so, if you were into anything footwear he has every single gas mask the u.s the united states has ever had plus a whole bunch of foreign ones so if you were into gas masks you could just go through that tour and just you know absorb that stuff every time um i'm into ak bandits right so i was amazed at how many of them are just sprinkled all over the freaking place everywhere tons of them and they're mostly romanian but still it was like just you know i could go through that place probably three more times just to discover all the ak bayonets laying around i'm not even into like German stuff. So if you're into German stuff, it's going to be insane. If you're into U.S. military stuff from like World War II, I mean, he has things that you just can't find. He's got like $500 packs of cigarettes, three of them. It's, it's that neat stuff. So he gets his stuff from other collectors and museums and stuff. But uh, yeah, not only does he know everything, it's just his stuff. But he, you know, he attempts to complete collections and acquire things specifically. So yeah. things kind of if you just ran into that guy on the street, would you suspect that he had any of that stuff? Like, he doesn't look like that kind of guy. 
kind of the way he dresses and everything, he doesn't look like he has that kind of money, right? He looks just like a normal guy. No, no, he doesn't look like a normal guy. He looks like a crazy biker. <laughs> or a whole kale. I'll give you that. You're never, you're never just going to see Dragon Man standing around. He's going to be like in a Humvee or like in his up armored uh, uh, Jeep thing. Like, a, you know, the, oh man, he's got so many Jeeps, dude. So he tells you the story of the Jeep, right? As he gets into his cars and his automobiles. There's no, I don't even know how many automobiles he has 35 restored military vehicles or something it's insane like he's got every half track i think he said but for jeeps you got you know you get over to the jeep corner and he talks about how uh the jeeps were invented originally and you know what they thought they were going to need them for and they were going to do trials and then they were like yeah let's not bother with the trials they seem to work why don't you just make forty thousand and you make twenty thousand and then like ford and willies or whoever started making them and then uh and he goes over, he's like, oh, and this is a rare one because blah, blah, before they change the thing. And then you put a roll bar on it, and that's the one he drives around. So I guess for a while, they were making Jeeps that would flip over. So they deliberately cut them all in half when they got rid of them. And so he got two of them and put them back together. So, he, you know, he's just, it's crazy. So <laughs> there's so much stuff to learn. Like, say, every time you go in there, you could probably, just the vehicles alone, you know, talking to him about ambulances, talk to him about Dodge versus Ford. It's hilarious. So anyway, he yeah. came up with his nickname, Dragon Man. Oh yeah, he's got this crazy bike, like a motorcycle that looks like something between a parade and like just some biker on acid, just a crazy fiberglass like dragon thing built off of a Harley. So it like wraps up around like a Batmobile thing they would put in like the '60s Batman show. It kind of looks like what they would make like a bat cycle, except that it's a dragon. And it's that's why they call him Dragon Man. He used to drive around on that thing, I guess. He's still got it. Like, you walk past it as you go into the museum. But that's why they call him Dragon Man. I'm assuming it actually can fire. Huh? I'm assuming he has it set up to free fire somehow. He's got to, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but anyway, all I'm saying is you would never just be like, Oh, I wonder who that guy is. Like Dragon Man, I'm sure is makes himself aware. Like everyone knows he's Dragon Man when, you, when he's in the area. But no, you would never know that he's got this such an impressive collection of stuff. And I don't even know how he keeps track of it because, like I say, you're asking about unlike a museum where I don't know some procurement might happen or something, you know, and now all of a sudden it's an in inventory and the curator is just responsible for it. I mean, he's just a dude out there making these deals and making arrangements and you know he's got suppliers and people that buy for him and stuff so like i say he's definitely aware of each of the items that he has and i can't even imagine if you went in there and had a specific thing like say that you were interested in like i'm interested in the ammo cans like the ammo boxes i was working on that stuff on the ammo fire sky so i was taking a bunch of pictures of ammo cans now that i have a little more insight onto the evolution of ammo cans and ammo boxes i mean it's amazing what he's got in there so i mean i couldn't even it would have taken it's going to take me three times through there just to take pictures of all the ammo cans and ammo boxes i want and he's you know like I, i'll go online and find like you know here's a drawing of what it should look like dragon man's got it you know here's here's what it would look like if it was unopened dragon man has six of them unopened you know it's hmm. so yeah that was dragon man and like I say, it's an experience. You, there's no glass cabinets for like that Nazi belt buckle, right? It's probably worth a billion dollars. He has that behind glass. 
uh, the sword that they found next to uh, Saddam Hussein's fucking bed. It's just sitting there. Pick it up and play with it if you want. Um, like those 50 BMG spotters that I have that look like a little short 50 BMG with a red and yellow tip. But the case is like half as long as a regular 50 BMG. That's to put on a recoilless rifle and it mimics the, the, the uh, what do you call it, the ballistic, whatever, uh, of the, what should I say, like the trajectory of the uh, recoilless rifle, right? And I've known of that, but he's got like five of them. He's got, you know, one just sitting there, one sitting there with like the setup for a display and another one on a vehicle, another one on a vehicle. So it's basically a recoilless rifle, whatever size those things are, huge giant cannon with this like 50 BMG thing without any handguards or anything, kind of like strapped to the top of it. So, you know, now I've touched one. All right, what's going on? This is Dr. Yeah, she's doing pretty good. She's liking it. I think she's got the routine down. Sit around every once in a while, get out and sniff and pee. Sit around. So pretty much a regular dog life. Yeah, no, she's loving it. She gets to see her people all the time. She knows where I'm at. She's getting used to like, you know, oh, he goes in here now and then he goes comes back with something to drink. Okay, I got that. Oh, okay, now I'm going to get out and pee. So we see nothing much on the YouTube side. What's it like to walk around Colorado unarmed? I have no idea what it's like to walk around Colorado unarmed. Why would I do that? No idea why I would do that. So uh, why would I be open carrying carry concealed in Colorado? So what Clay's asking about over there, but um, we'll have to deal with that going into Illinois. So I will stop. Uh, also, Minnesota was the two states I won't be able to carry in. Anyway, so that's a little bit about the thing. Uh, about the tour, uh, got to meet up with uh, Chris, who everybody knows from the Daily Gun Show showdowns uh, up in Denver. That was pretty neat. And it turns out, I was describing him my trip up to, how come I see Cycle Camp over there, but I don't see him over there. I was explaining to him my trip up to Denver, and it turns out I was on a road that was adjacent to a whole bunch of gun shops, but you don't see them from the main road, which is annoying. And uh, I wasn't using my Google Maps close enough or something. Oh, there he is. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to another trip up there now that I have the, uh, now that I've seen what it's like to get up to Denver, I'm hoping to get up there for that antique gun show next year, at least. All right. So that's enough on the tour. Let's talk about the topics of the show. How much of the show is left anymore? Half an hour. Um, what is your approach to handling posts by your friends that are shares of other people's posts that you don't agree with? So, so talking about social media today, what is your approach to handling posts that your friends do that are shares of other people you don't like? 
So you guys have seen people that share a lot of times on Instagram. I'm assuming people do that on Facebook all the time still. Um, but when people share stuff that's by somebody you don't like, does that ever happen? Is that an issue? Um, rarely, because I really don't care. Like for me, most of my social media is just gun and firearm stuff. So when we post something from someone I don't particularly care for, I really don't care because it ends up being a gun pick or something anyway. So it, it doesn't affect me none. I don't care. It doesn't bother me none who someone else likes or doesn't like. I run into that quite a bit being that, you know, being a teacher and all having a lot of friends that are more towards leaning left. So I think a lot of times, you know, if they're going to post something, I can comment on it. But you have to be respectful. It's more of a discussion than a you suck kind of thing or like, you know, making it a big deal. Very rarely do I ever respond to anything like that. I just I don't care to. Uh, they're entitled to their wrong opinion. <laughs> I usually just ignore it. Facebook, so it's not an issue, period. Yeah, I don't watch Facebook either. I see it more on Instagram than anywhere else. Every once in a while on main page of gun channel, somebody will post something. I'm, I'm a Facebook guy and, uh, cause I don't like do Instagram, all that other stuff that much. And basically, I have a lot of liberal friends or progressive friends or whatever you want to call it. And um, if if they post something themselves, then I, I might respond to them because it's them. If they put something up, if they're just forwarding something from, from some other place, if it's a group, I go under the covers and say, I don't want to ever see any shit from that group again. And they can post that stuff to their blue in the face and I'll never see it. Oh, okay, so in other words, you're seeing their their feed, but you can filter the feed so that you only see the stuff that you feel like watching from them. Right. When when they say so and so, you know, followed a post or something, and you you've got that post in front of you, and say it's like some leftist nut job organization, where you normally go and say, uh, you know, don't show me this ad, all that kind of stuff. There's usually a slot in there. If you look around, it says, I don't want to see posts from so and so again and it's the person that they it's the person that came through them not them themselves and and i'll do that now if it's an individual i, I might get involved i might have a discussion but if it's like the progressive law center or, you know that kind of crap i just say i don't ever want to see this again especially the really hateful memes if they're really hateful memes you know if they're funny they're funny i mean funny is funny i don't give a shit what side of the fence you're on but if they're really just hateful, really ugly memes, then I'll go right in and say, I don't ever want to see anything from this person that you're following again. And that usually keeps it. I mean, granted, it makes it a little bit of an echo chamber, but it, it, I find it's an, it makes it easier way to deal with it. Oh, are you talking like a filter in Facebook or just literally telling the people? No, I'm, I'm talking about a thing in Facebook. If, if, you, okay. if you bring up Facebook... And you see a friend has, has put, you know, they, they, they share a link, right? It's called share a link. Well, when you grab the, let me, let me show you what I mean. So, uh, one minute. Uh, I think I understand. And what you're yeah. Also and then you got the three dots at the top. And if you grab the three dots at the top, you can say like, you could say, Hey, 
snooze my buddy for 30 days, unfollow my buddy. But usually there's more options. And if you go down to more options, they'll say, hey, I don't ever want to see anything from like this guy shared a link from uh, PatriotNewsAlerts.com. Now, that happens to be a, a you know, a, a conservative tank. And, yeah, I don't mind that much. I know the guy's ultra conservative, so it doesn't bother me that much. But I, I will I will grab that three dots at the top and I will say, hey, I don't ever want to see this again. And usually I can turn off the person that he linked to, that he shared the link from. And I'll never see it no matter who tries to put it up. I won't see it. Well, that seems cool because then it's not really any kind of, you don't have to even let them know really. You're just right. It's no impact on your buddy. It's no impact on the people they're, they're pushing at you. You know, it's, it's pretty nice. And you don't have to say something. You don't have to start. You have to instigate nothing. You just do that. And then it's something that you're not bothered with. Yeah. They don't even get notified. It's great. I love it. So it's usually when they share a post. Yeah. That's a great tip. I'm going to do that. Yeah. I don't know of anything like that on Instagram. I, I do the same thing with the commercials, too. You know, it's, every once in a while, I'll get a commercial I find really offensive, and I'll just say, I don't ever want to see this commercial again. Oh, I do that on Instagram whenever that happens, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. So um, my major thing is uh, when people are dropping a bunch of shit on our flag, they throw the flag on a table, throw their crap on it, and try to sell it to you. Um, depending on who it is, I'll either send them a private one and tell them why I unsubbed or whatever. Also unsub if I don't care, or if it's, uh, I don't know, like when it's a big enough place, I usually bitch about it on my own channel, but that's usually the only thing that really bothers me when people are just like perpetuating, like, you know, obliviousness to our flag, or at least respect for it. Yeah, if it's obvious bullshit, then I just shut them right off, you know, because, I mean, you know, you can tell who the low information posters are. And those are the guys, you know, when, when they start talking about the 300 school shootings, you know, since the beginning of this year, shit like that, you, you know that it's not even worth talking to them. So you just shut them right off. It's also largely dependent on who you're talking to. Like, if it's a friend of mine that I know I can have a discussion with, yeah, I'll comment on it. But if it's one of my friends that I know will be fucking triggered, then I'm not doing that. Yeah, that's a good point. Some people are doing it to start, well, not conversation, but argument. Well, and I've got friends that, you know, they might send me something that's pretty left that's they're teasing me. And we have kind of a teasing discussion back and forth, but we already know we're not going to really agree. But, you know, but I'm kind of with cycle funny is funny, no matter what side you're on. Yeah. And if they're just yanking your chain, I mean, you got to you got to appreciate people just yanking your chain. You know, any, any of my friends that send me anything about Pelosi or, or uh, you know, uh, Feinstein or any of that, I know they're just yanking my chain. So I don't worry about it too much. Uh, all right. Well, we got another topic just briefly, how to move your live stream over to a podcast. You know, people are figuring out how to do the live streams like this and what you, there's a bunch of aspects to it. One is we start a, a hangout and you invite people to it. You have a discussion or whatever, and then it's over. It'll render into a video on YouTube and sit on your channel. So uh, if you want to do more with that, once you've done you know all the work really putting together the show and having it great 
uh, you can take that and uh, basically download the audio from it. So it's an existing video on your YouTube channel. You can use an app off of a browser, uh, or you can download the software that a bunch of us are using, uh, or you find something else. There's lots of options, but you can pull the audio down uh, to your computer. Now you've got an audio file. Usually they're going to be, let's say, 100 megs per hour, you know, give or take. So you've got a very small file compared to a video file, and that'll be all the audio from your conversation that you just had. And now you can take that audio file and put it up on a, any number of services that'll take that audio file and turn it into a stream, it's called. So uh, when you put things on the internet, like a photograph or a sound file or a video file, um, they act differently to the computer, right? You look at a picture, you listen to a sound file, you do both with a video file. Uh, it just means technically the internet has to handle them differently. So that means that the things you, the places you put those are have different names. So uh, when we're talking about putting something like an audio file on the internet so that people can listen, that's called a stream or that's called a feed. And uh, you can use a service. There's lots of them, Podbeam and uh, Stitcher and others are out there. Clover's had a bunch of uh, uh, discussions about it. Ghost has some videos on how to do it. Other people have... Uh, explained what they've done and then there's tons of other videos out there explaining because it's a pretty generic concept to take your audio files and turn them into a podcast but um, hopefully what I did there is explain it uh, to try to make it easier for everybody to, to figure out that it's really just taking the audio from your video that you've made and then putting that somewhere where it becomes this feed and then you just attach that feed to iTunes and the other places where podcasts live. So it can be done for free. It can be done for very little money. Or if you don't want to put much effort into learning the how-to, which it's not the most extensive thing, but there is something to it. Um, you can pay to not have to do so much of the how-to. Um, so it depends on how interested you are in having stuff out there. Um, does anybody in here who does live stuff, uh, has anybody experimented with putting them into streams and sending them out on iTunes and to the podcast channels? I haven't. I've never really even considered it. Now your format's a little different. But, yeah, it wouldn't uh, work well for me. A formatted hour show or something. That's a little easier. To, yeah. Although there are no rules, so if people start putting up multi-hour podcasts. Maybe people start listening to them. Right now, everybody follows the leader, so Joe Rogan's going to get some amount of time, and everybody else is going to try to. I've actually thought about it, um, you know, just uh, just another outlet to get the uh, message out there, or, you know, whatever the topic may be for the night, uh, which anybody watches my channels realizes that sometimes there just is no topic. Um, but normally good things come out of every show. Um, but, yeah, I have thought about it. I've considered it. I've not really went in depth in looking into it. So this this is interesting to me. Right on. Well, like I said, I'm not trying to do a step-by-step -step or anything. Just give people the concept, make think. And like I said, there's lots of resources. Definitely talking to Clover and Ghost would be some uh, people have been doing it recently. Uh, but you can find all kinds of good tutorials on YouTube. All right. So that was...
on our second topic or our behind the scenes topics this week. We have a good shop. Let's see. Rhonda's Guns and Ammo in Woodhaven, Michigan. So I wonder who sent us this. It's either going to be Patriot or Taters or Smitty. Woodhaven. Taters Lab. So I will screen share here. Is the um, background noise while them trucks came into loud? I can still hear you. I think one just pulled up next to me and it's like the kind of thing. So I don't know where Woodhaven is, but this place has been established 2011, so it's seven years old. It's like they've got a bunch of old people on the thing. It's weird that they're not looking at 45s. So. I wonder if that's Rhonda. $35 transfers. Got a pretty decent website, I guess. they got for sale. Interesting. Look up their attractions. Closed Monday. Oh, closed Sunday. 10 to 6. I can take that. And how are we Spaces. That's right by potatoes. So you don't know this one? You back? Looks like I went right past it. I think I took this road down, so I missed it. All right, well, that's our shop of the day. I don't know who suggested it. It was probably somebody from Michigan, so thanks for that. We try to uh, take a look at new shops every day. It's one of the reasons we call it the Daily Gun Show. We'll be looking at more. I, think I visited four new shops this trip. Couple of others. Did I get to before? All right. So I guess with that, for about an hour, everybody's not talking. I don't like dead air, so I'm done. So thanks everybody for joining us on the road. Uh, episode 656. We'll be back tomorrow in a different state with a different show and getting closer to the gun rights policy conference. The 33rd year that they've been doing this. Alan Gottlieb started the. Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms, CCKRB. He was 24 years old in 1971. And a couple years later, he started Second Amendment Foundation. Those two organizations have been putting together the Gun Rights Policy Conference. I don't know however long ago it's been, it's 33 years now. And uh, the non, or the gun owners' rights groups, and usually nonprofit gun owners' rights groups, get together once a year. They meet up in alternating cities, usually pro-gun or anti-gun. And then uh, for two days, the groups will take the stage, either the groups themselves or areas of interest or um, I don't know, different types of shooters and stuff. They'll take the stage. They'll talk about what they've been doing, what they need, what they see is happening in the future. They'll, they'll take questions from the audience. Uh, it's usually uh, streamed live uh, the last couple of years by the Blight Society podcast, a group of podcasters and writers, bloggers uh, who send the show out live. Charles Heller has been recording the audio from the conference for, I don't know, probably decades. Uh, makes that available. He's always made that available for free on CD-ROM. I know he puts an insane amount of work into that, making sure it's all edited nice. So you can get audio files from every single, well, pretty much every single year. Uh, Charles has that on his hard drive. And uh, it's, a, it's a grassroots 
organization to the T. Like it's what you, the, the, what I say, like the, uh, the example of a grassroots organization, a bunch of people who are interested in specific areas or live in specific areas or working towards specific things like lobbying or judges or uh, bringing lawsuits that are necessary. And it's a time for them to get together, strategize and coordinate. It's an excellent experience. So if you're ever able to attend one, please do. If you can still get to this one, uh, this next weekend in Chicago, still get there. And uh, we'll be talking about it. It sounds like a bunch of us from Gun Channels will be there. And uh, well, that's the show. Anybody got anything going on? Cycle, thanks for jumping in at the end here. Good to see you back. Hoping you had a good time. David, thanks for jumping in. Yeah, I apologize. I, I haven't been back in a while because I, I got home a few weeks ago and then I just been sick as a dog. Oh, really? Because of the yeah. thing or just coincidentally? Oh, I, yeah, I caught something on the plane on the way home. And uh, I, had, I was running a pretty high fever and I, I just got to the point where I'm starting to feel good enough to stay up late at night. So uh, maybe one of these times I'll show you some uh, pictures from the military uh, museum at one of the castles I visited in Norway. Oh, yeah, definitely an interesting man. The uh Castle. Pretty cool. But it turns out the Norwegians don't have any of their own stuff. Everything they got, they got either, it's either German or American, basically. Yeah, they either carried it in or they they dropped it, one of the two. Yeah, well, they didn't, they just didn't, uh, they didn't have uh, their own manufacturing facilities, you know, so they got, a, they got a lot of stuff from the Russians, a lot of AKs, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, American weapons, you know, uh, pretty, pretty neat stuff. Tanks and junk, you know, a lot of fun. And you go there saying, "Oh, great! I'm going to learn up all about all these Norwegian guns." And it's like, "Wait a minute, that's a that's an M1 Garand. Wait a minute, that's a 1903 Springfield. That's a <laughs> you know, that's an AK. What the hell's going on? You know, this is a Stava M76. You know, it's all kind of." I'm so, curious when you go to a museum over there, are there people in that area that are knowledgeable that can answer all kinds of questions that are into it, or is it? You know, just a thing that they have in the museum and they know not, they not where i was and in this particular castle there's actually a working uh it's the they they do have the museum but there's also a working uh a division of people there you know in another building so they have real soldiers and shit running around it's pretty cool the the castle itself expanded they expanded their grounds and so now the now the the whole castle grounds includes the other the other buildings. It's pretty neat. Sounds cool. But I didn't go to any more of them after that because I figured it was going to be more of the same. So that's the kind of thing, yeah. Where you know, now you never know where there's like some I don't know unique thing or whatever. But yeah, they're going to be not quite cookie cutters of each other. They're all going to try to include the same type of stuff, though. I, what really surprised me was the Norwegians, because of being part of NATO, they sent guys to like every freaking conflict. They were everywhere. You know, they were in Korea, they were in Vietnam, they were in Guatemala. They were, I mean, they were just everywhere. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I mean, 
I don't want to say just because they were in NATO, they got sent. I mean, there has to be a certain amount of gumption. They wanted, you know, they were willing to do it. They wanted to be there kind of thing, too. You know, you put their hand in the Yep. Yep. It was pretty cool. You know, never huge numbers of them, you know, hundreds to thousands. But but uh, it was just really interesting. Every every time you turn around, they had the they had the place set up kind of by which conflict it was. You know, and it was, I mean, it's pretty good. They had like a drone hanging from the ceiling and then they had a couple of mannequins that actually had the remote controls for the drone, you know, over a doorway. And it was, uh, was kind of neat. Well, I'm assuming you took good pictures. So yeah, like? some of them come out okay. They don't have the good non-reflective glass and it was really dark, but some of them came out okay. Well, you'd be surprised. I take a bunch of dark pictures and with just a wiggle in the finger and Instagram, you can get a lot and there's some apps like one called uh snapseed which is amazing it's, it's everything photoshop can do except you just have to wiggle your finger wow so snapseed and you can bring because your cameras you know eight megapixels or more i mean they're taking a lot of information and so even when it's dark a little bit of editing can really pop up whatever your content is all right, so David, uh, I've been watching. How's the reloading bench going? I'm assuming it's done and you're now reloading. David's bench, yeah, David's bench is completely done and uh, he's at the decapping stage. He's ordering his bullets and primers um, this week, but he's uh, He's, he's at the cleaning and decapping stage. So he's been cleaning and decapping thousands of rounds of brass and uh, getting ready for uh, reloading, which should be, I think, at the end of this week. Yeah, everything should be coming G this week. And I didn't know that you were into collecting old ammo boxes. I have an ammo box, a 50 caliber ammo can that I've never seen before, and it's a U.S. And it doesn't open like the normal ones do where they, the lids come off like that. It opens from the wide side. Hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in that. There's uh, yeah. ammo boxes have lids and can be resealed. Ammo cans are like a spam can. So like, Oh, okay. It's an ammo box. Yeah, that's... It's an ammo box, but the lid reseals, but it doesn't open at the end like the newer modern ones do. It, it opens in the middle. I've Even being in the military, I've never seen one like this before. Interesting. What color is it? It's OD green. It's United States Army, but okay. it's, um, it's so before my time. Usually like gray will be navy and then white will be inside of a vehicle. So if it's not, if it's green, then you know, it's something for regular use. Not specific. Yeah, interesting. Take some pictures. Yeah, I will. Uh, Dead Horse, got anything coming up? I've just been working on my gun room. Um, I got a sink installed in my gun room now. I got all my studs up. I'm ready to start putting uh, sheeting on the walls. So my gun rooms, is, I just keep chugging along working on that. Now that sink, some people call it a mop sink, but I would consider that a puppy washing sink. So is that going to get easy? <laughs> That's what I said. That's what I told my wife. I like my dogs and cats fit perfectly in it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so awesome to be able to wash the dogs out here and stuff and not in the bathtub. And like every time we wash the animals, like I, my bathtub drain always clogs, like full of hair and stuff. It's just a mess. Well, well, even I, I still say you can wash David in that. Yeah. <laughs> 
if they start watching each other, I'm going to quit watching their stuff. So you can, <laughs> I would still get one of them little drain, little filter thingies, because you'll still get that hair off the dogs, but you don't have to put on that drain. Gary, anything coming up on the Gizzard channel? Uh, well, I got the 357 subscriber giveaway going on, so probably towards the end of the week, I'll cut that off and, uh, we'll get together and, uh, figure out which ones are the best 16 or so, so we can have a bracket. And then one of these nights we'll have a show and pick the winner. Cool. And then the winner gets a 357. Nice. Yeah. So Woods, anything coming up? Teaching them kids. Yeah, teaching the kids week three. All right, well, <laughs> we got taters. Anything coming up on tater tubes? Uh, I don't know. I might be doing one after if that horse isn't uh, isn't doing one. No, I think we're gonna have a tater tube tonight. All right, yeah, tater tube. Sounds good. So anybody that wants to continue chatting after these shows, uh, there's usually something going on gun channels, thanks to Taters and Dead Horse and Pink and Knives, Ants every once in a while. So, uh, yeah, thanks everybody for dealing with the uh, sporadic and sloppy shows here, but it's life on the road. That's part of the whole thing with the daily gun shows. We want to continue to do stuff, and hopefully we're getting better at it. i uh, got a lot more video this time of uh, uh, Dragon Man. And got lots more stuff coming up, so stay tuned. And see everybody later. Does anybody got a quote? I know cycle. No, I didn't look one up tonight. I've been I've been uh, under the weather, so sorry about that. I'm gonna go to an old standby then. Uh, if we ignore gun shows, they will go away. Guys and gals of gunwebsites.com encourage you to take a CCW class every year, practice at least once a month, and carry every day. Thanks for watching gunwebsites.com.